Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Fake It. My name is Rob Attrell and I'll be your host and spirit guide on this show where I meet and chat with friends of mine about success and about pretty much anything else I want. This week, I sat down with Brian Lee, a good friend of mine who works in the public service here in Ottawa. He's also very well known in my circles for playing guitar in a rock band called Sons of Pluto. We had a great chat, and he also played a few bars of various guitar riffs for me, so you'll be able to hear those interspersed throughout our chat. Enjoy! You can play, you can play a cover, you can, it doesn't have to be... thing um when i end up like doing future chat and that kind of thing (laughs) it's really hard because when you're trying to start a podcast or when you're trying to start anything you want to sit there for a few seconds contemplating like okay take my time and start Mm -hmm. and (laughs) but when you have the future chat you sit there and you do that you set yourself up you hit start and then it says it like it changes from off air to going live yeah and you get like between five and ten seconds of that and then it pops up and you're like oh no oh you missed your chance (laughs) I was all psyched and then I lost it so what's your take here do you just uh probably just going to start it out at whatever point feels natural and then what I've done at the end of the other the first two is just talk at the end of it a bit okay sure so uh First of all, I guess I'll welcome you to the podcast. This this is episode three of Fake It. Uh, I don't I don't want to put you on the spot here, but have you listened to any the other two? I managed to catch maybe the first minute of two or uh, minute of two of Damien's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Just the part where I explain what's going on. Oh no no no! <laughs> he was talking about his trip to Europe. Okay, and that was one of the first two. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so basically, we'll just talk of given you some topics to to talk about and basically this is a podcast where I talk to people about things that I find interesting about them and we talk about success and what success means to you and then I'll reflect on what that means to me and we'll go back and forth a bit. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> good. So I want to start with something that that you did And that I did, but you did much, much more than me. And that's Mm -hmm. moving a humongous distance. Mm -hmm. And so you came from China Mm -hmm. to Canada. Mm -hmm. I came from Alberta to Ontario. Mm -hmm. And I want to know sort of what the experience was like for you, basically, uh, mostly starting over. Mm -hmm. Like, you have some family, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, you're just... Um, did you mean to the original move? Because I also moved back yeah. to Hong Kong when I was 15, 16. So there was that transition too. So maybe a little bit of so both. the one, if there's one where you were the most sort of fish out of watery, like if you had connections uh, yes. back in Canada. So the, I would say the more comfortable move was when I was four and I grew up in, to make the move from Hong Kong specifically to yeah. 
Burnaby, BC. That was not too bad. I mean, obviously, I had to go and learn English and things like that. But kids will be kids. They'll find things to do. You know, I loved uh, uh, learning in, in, in school, playing basketball, drawing. You know, it was relatively easy. Not that there wasn't um, challenges that I can recall, but it was relatively easy. I think it was the jump from Vancouver, like Burnaby, to Hong Kong, which was the funny one. Okay, interesting. Because um, at that point, I was in high school in Vancouver, where you were one of maybe 500, 600, and you felt like a number, and then you get into the teenage, kind of angsty sort of <laughs> yeah. situation, and trying to figure yourself out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey... Uh, Mum and dad's got a job in, in, in Hong Kong again And it's an opportunity to go back to where you're from And and I made a kind of a decisive decision to say You know what, it's going to be a new place I'm going to try to reinvent myself And it was at that point I got an opportunity to learn the guitar And and, and really embrace music that way too So it, yeah Cool So did you find, when you came back to Canada Did mm-hmm. you find that it was the same thing? You had to transition again? Oh yeah Oh yeah There's a bunch of transitions Right Because now You're coming from Hong Kong Where it's a You know Big metropolis To Kingston Where I studied mm-hmm. And a lot of the Cultural references I didn't understand Say 80s music Name, name right. Like name one Like oh We're going to the pub We're going to dance to You know was uh, it eighties? Eighties journey. I don't know. It's journey. journey poison. Is it's poison. Is the one that comes to yeah. Mind. Yeah. Um, 90s night. Like okay, so I have to get reacquainted <laughs> with that kind of thing. Um, quoting like Anchorman all the time yeah. was a big thing, and cult classics like you know Pulp Fiction. What what makes Pulp Fiction so cool? Why is it sure. all parodied? So you have to relearn that culture and language in that way. So it's interesting. That's interesting. I because I I had the same thing, and I grew up in Canada, so. Maybe it was just the sheltered kind of thing. Like Maybe I, it is. I had a close group of friends at school, but outside of school, I didn't get a lot of chance to do that, those kind of culture things. Yeah. I stayed away from parties. Yeah. I didn't really drink until I came to university. I don't know why those things go hand in hand in my yeah. mind, but yeah. I think they do. <laughs> yeah, I think that university culture may have been a little bit different, yeah. too. Once you're in that pool of individuals who you know are fairly like-minded, they may... Investigate certain things more than others. I don't know. Yeah. So, but. going back to the whole fish out of water thing, what was the? I guess so. Talking about going from Canada back to Hong Kong, what did you think? What would, what would you say is the hardest part for you? Well, first of all, the whole environment from public to private was a big jump because at the time I was in Vancouver it was a public school when I went to Hong Kong it was a private school uh, the only way that I made it in there was because my mom was part of the uh, um, call that uh, one of the teachers there so I was able to get in on discount so I did that um, but because it was a private school it brought a whole le- different level of dynamic people were um, you know perspectives were different and the city was huge too. I mean, there's whole yeah. the whole thing with that, like the culture, lots of people. Yeah, is uh, that. so to give me a frame of reference. Is there a Canadian or I guess American city that you'd say Hong Kong is most like? It's just sort of city wise, metropolis, and uh, somewhere in between, like a New York or an LA. Okay, so it's yeah. that it's that big. It's that pretty intense. Comparing it to one of the biggest, like the biggest American metropolis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I can see how that would be a huge Really crowded, transition. but also really hot. 
Um, but uh, a lot of great things about it too. You know, getting around is really easy. All the food's fantastic, and yeah, that's cool. Nice. So, in in terms of like you said, school was hard. Uh, transitioning is there like how did you other than learning guitar was there ways that you decided to reinvent yourself or start over with I mean obviously your family still knew who yes. you were but was were there other things you did to transition to, yourself well what I found that was really important throughout all these changes was to find these activities that kind of gave you an opportunity to meet new people so guitar was one another big one was basketball and sports right mm-hmm. so that's another big component right okay. yeah were there any sports that or activities that sort of are the same thing in Canada and like you said you mentioned basketball but are there any others that you were able to that you already did in Canada that you were able to do there as well, well? see the the, the 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 thing is even when I came here to Ottawa I didn't play soccer but I picked it up because everyone else was playing it so there's oh, okay. also sports that I don't play that I picked up because I knew it was a way to meet people sure that makes yeah. sense and there's yeah Ottawa's a really good city for that yeah lots of leagues and lots of people that just go out and play pickup every week yeah <laughs> and dodgeball was another one too yeah. like that so yeah. dodgeball is lots of fun although we I mean our team didn't really meet a lot of other teams we we just hung no, out a lot we, together yeah <laughs> which I imagine is why you're not 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 to say that you don't like spending <laughs> you not that you don't because you don't complain about spending time with us you complain about not spending time with us but <laughs> uh, yeah meeting different people is some is something that we've all talked about and how we don't do it yeah dodgeball <laughs> <laughs> Focus on guitar a little bit here because you taught yourself guitar. Uh, but to be completely technical, I did take about a couple months with a jazz teacher, jazz guitar teacher. So technically speaking, that's not true. But the majority of what yeah. I know it has been self-taught. Was that was the lessons right at the beginning or was it in the later? Middle? Okay, more later. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you you knew you wanted to do it and then you started taking lessons. That's right. Yeah. Okay. See, I took I think six months of lessons. Mm-hmm. From one of my, I guess, well, my cousin now. I don't. I'm not sure if he was my cousin at the time. Uh, where he and my actual my cousin by, uh, I guess by birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're married now. That's why I'm mm-hmm. confused to the wording. But uh, she taught my sister piano, and he taught me guitar. And so I know the basics of guitar, but I mm-hmm. never took it any further than that. Mm-hmm. I can do chords, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone starts somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that you, like, past the age of 25, you're not supposed to take your guitar out of its case, unless you play guitar. Like, take a guitar? It, you're not supposed to take a guitar out of its case? Like, if you, get a, if you get a guitar at between, say, 10 and 15 years old, you take lessons, you learn it. And then as an adult, you kind of put it away. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to take it out. Like, it's... You're, it's the same... This is from How I Met Your Mother. That's where I... That's the oh, famous place okay. I've heard it. Uh, like, you're not supposed to sleep on a futon. You're supposed to, like, buy a bed, keep your guitar in its case. These are these things that adults do. You don't, okay. you don't take your guitar out because you're not good at it. 
Oh. So unless you're unless you're an actual guitarist. Oh, you, I see. Okay, okay. So I've kind of stopped, and not because of the show, but just because again, like you're an adult. Most people don't have time for that. Yeah. They don't have time for an instrument. They're working or they're doing family stuff, all that. Well, whatever floats your boat it doesn't have to be guitar. But uh, I, I just feel like that'd be too sad if people start putting away their guitars. It, if, it is kind of sad for me. You know, it, uh, it I mean, you have guitars. Strewn across All and everywhere Yeah Anytime You know You feel happy You want to sing a song You grab the guitar You feel yeah. sad You want to sing a song it's, You grab a guitar Well I do Yeah um, <laughs> I'm feeling inspired There's a particular message That I want to tell people Pick up the guitar It's, yeah. it's something that's there for me I, I, So I didn't understand Where that was coming from With the yeah. guitar Well Putting away the guitar Yeah mine I don't think I've taken it out of the case since I moved about six... I guess it's about eight months ago now. Yeah. And I feel kind of sad about it, but I know that I'm focusing on other things right now, so I'm okay with it. But again, I don't think I have the time to put in to get any better than I already am. Yeah. So I would just sit there playing and get my fingers hurt and then I stop playing. Yeah. (laughs) And then like a month later, two months later, I'll come back and do the same thing. Yeah. I don't have the time to... To put in right now But on the, on the flip side If you enjoy something enough You will find the time Right So yeah. your oh, guitar yeah. could be Video editing Or yeah, your exactly. podcast well, Right is. So right now, your guitar is. is that So I mean Everyone has their own Hobby right Yeah, yeah So But so back to you Learning guitar mm-hmm. uh, Did it Did you find it came naturally Did you work really really hard And it came to you Like you're You're very good at guitar I, it's Thank not you. an exaggeration to say that I'm not. You're not the best guitarist in the world no. I'm, not, I'm not going to exaggerate yeah. But you're very good at it Thank you uh, uh, So you're asking whether or not It's something that reflects my efforts Or whether it is something that was innate Or maybe a bit of both I'd like to say it's a little bit of both um, Certainly at a young age I remember um, harmonizing to songs That were played throughout the house You know when my parents were doing chores And I remember being able to pick those things out and being in be, the feeling that, that of, of accomplishment that made me want to continue down this path and exploring, you know, music. But at the same time, the guitar really is a difficult instrument to master, especially in more than one way. You like you were saying, you can learn chords, but then you start to learn <laughs> soloing. Then adding textures is different than this and that. Then you get into genres and. Yeah. So with if you look at the guitar as a whole, it can be quite complicated. Yeah. So it's, I, I would say it's a little <laughs> bit of both and a little bit of luck. Yeah. yeah. What, what part's luck? Um, I think I'm lucky in the sense that I I grew up in an environment such that it was it made it possible that okay. I can get a guitar because sometimes you know affording a guitar, the time to do the guitar. I had friends that supported me. I had friends that cheered me on. I had. My own motivations so It's all these things Aligning together So um, it, I really do think It's a bit about The environment And a bit about What I did to do it Interesting yeah. uh, I've found that Even like More than playing guitar Playing guitar Is So far not been Very rewarding to me Yeah Because I haven't had time To put a lot of effort in But Like if I open up GarageBand Yeah and pick the virtual guitar. Yeah, I can put I can string chords together that sound all right. Yeah, but I can't like playing the guitar, and I'm fine at Guitar Hero and Rock Band, or yeah. whatever. But <laughs> I can't I can't transition that into actual skills. I just I have a, an ear for music at least yeah. a little bit. Yeah, sort of abstractly, but just no no actual translation into guitar skills. 
You know, what about your family though? Does it, do do any of them play play or sing? No, or? not really. So I think it might yeah. be partially genetic because Damien and I were out with a, uh, a friend yesterday. We were talking about this. How did we all end up here? But Damien was saying how his mom used to be a wonderful and you know, a beautiful singer, right? Mm-hmm. My mom actually was also in a choir. My dad played a lot of guitar. Not in a band per se, but he played a lot of guitar when he was younger. My brother was in a band for a little while too, just for fun. I mean, uh, not to the seriousness that Sons of Pluto is at yeah. right now, but certainly all four of us have done something music related. That's so cool. Yeah. Maybe it's genetic. Because my parents both love music, and I love music, but they, they don't really play it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it definitely, it definitely seems like it's obviously influenced by family. You know, I read somewhere that because Cantonese is a tonal language, that it makes it easier or makes it such that we absorb it better because Cantonese is a tonal right. tonal language, right? That's, that's pretty cool. So actually. I don't know if that plays into it. It, but it seems like it would make it easier to learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not learn guitar, but to learn music in general and to have an ear for the it. The concept, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't... I mean, English doesn't have that at all. Not even a little bit. You can... You can say things with whatever tone you want. And, like, for, for me, I was having the hardest time even trying to learn which chords or which sounds correspond to yeah. which note. But, you know, to be completely honest, I read this somewhere, too, that in Western uh, civilization, at one point, everybody was a musician, quote-unquote. Yeah. You know... A baby is crying. What do you do? Sing a lullaby, right? You go to work. What do you do? You sing a song while you're working, right? Somewhere down the line, this dichotomy between music maker and music listener became more uh, uh, prominent. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe concert ha- halls or something started yeah. to get established. And so people went to listen to music, right? But really, at the core of it, I think we're all capable of this. Oh, definitely. I really think so. Yeah. Well, and there's the whole, the whole music. I mean, it's not really a theory, but when you combine a lot of voices that aren't necessarily in tune, they, they tend to go into tune. Yeah. And so, like, even if you do see it at concerts or mm-hmm. uh, if if you're singing along to music that you're listening to, it's yeah. Like I, I sing all the time. Yeah. But I just don't. I sing with with someone else professionally singing on top of me. <laughs> hey, as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying it, man, yeah. that's what's important. I mean, an, an artist that's standing on stage giving a concert to 10,000 or 100,000 yeah. people, like, they put the mic out and people know the words. Yes. Everyone sings. Yes. You get, like, 10,000 people all singing with you. Yes. It definitely brings people together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's part of it, too. I mean, it's worth it's worth the trouble. Yeah. Oh, well, it's definitely yeah. worth the trouble. <laughs> So, I want to bring it around to Sons of Pluto, uh, which is the band that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been, it's been what, four years five, now? Yeah, four. Four or five? Four or four or five-ish, like something like that, yeah.
So, first of all, what made you want to be in a band? What made you decide to start it? Well, when I was in high school, like I was saying, I I guess I got bitten by the bug because I used to be the... <laughs> this is going to be funny. It's going to sound really funny, but I used to be the lead singer of a rock band in high school named In Chaos. Okay. And... Upon arriving at university, I was a small fish, speaking of fish out of yeah. water, small fish, big pond sort of deal. And I was very intimidated by everybody because everybody and their dogs played guitar where, where I was at. So I was very intimidated and kind of shied away from it. But as I finished my master's program, I got extra time, started picking up the guitar. I decided, well, I think I might reach out some feelers and start talking to people and say, hey, you know what? Do you play guitar? Do you want to jam? And one very uh, fateful evening, I met Mr. Damien Brooms, very talented singer, yeah, and so it just kind of came together that way. Cool. Hmm. Out of a desire to make music with like-minded individuals. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and so, in terms of starting a band, what is like? Do you, did you guys? That you said that one fateful night you met him and started talking about music. I, I feel like I've heard the story before, and you guys actually played together that night. Okay, like so he, you had a guitar and he sang. That's right. Yeah. Yes, uh, I tend to do that a lot. If you guys don't know me, I will <laughs> pick up a guitar and make people sing and play. I mean, out of fun, yeah. especially uh, if you know that they're good at singing, like Damien yeah, is. Yeah, and he's he's bashful about it and well, that's five it. seconds later he's belting out let it be well that's it it's, you know you pick the right song anybody can sing exactly like, with the you know passion so yeah. yeah that's cool and so that night you guys I guess you call it jamming together we played that one song yeah. by uh, oh Hey Soul Sister by okay by Train Train yeah or something <laughs> like that uh, yeah and so like what goes into it from there was it like you guys hit the ground running was to it- be completely honest we didn't have this vision of a band um till a little bit later even okay. um when we first got together it was simply to meet a demand the demand was that there was a monthly show called cafe gratitude run by ottawa use promotion uh, health promotion team and they wanted some entertainment while they were giving some public health advice to the uh, student community and so me, Damien, Zach began to perform on a monthly basis. And after a while, we were like, well, you know, we're a little bit more than just three nice guys on a stage. That was your um, original name. That's right. Thinking, three, yeah. three nice guys or <laughs> Bronson Brothers or what have you. But we decided we were going to be a little bit more than that. But you know what I realized when, I, when I'm telling this story? It sounds like a relationship. <laughs> well, it is. It's not necessarily you, a romantic you know, you meet, relationship, but it's yeah, definitely a relationship. Well, that's what I was hinting yeah. at, of course. And so you meet somebody, you have the same interest, you want to take it to the next step, you start to label it. So we labeled it Sons of Pluto, right? So yeah. from that point on, we start taking it a little bit more seriously and started talking to different people in town about how they did it. And we kind of have a vision-ish about where we wanted to go and took baby steps. You know, we recorded some stuff like with our phones and... Yeah. People trusted us enough to give us gigs, then that led to other gigs, yeah. then of course your your contribution, Rob, with the website helped a whole bunch, um, and it just slowly built from there very organically. I don't think anything was forced or... Okay. Yeah. And so, I feel like it's not at all out of turn to say that you guys are sort of now, four years later, at a critical mass where... Something's going to happen or 
you like you're you're looking for now the next step, but it's going to take like a little bit more energy to push it over. Yes, I would I would not disagree with that <laughs> statement. Though that said, we still in our current state can do a whole bunch more before we push yeah. it to the next step. And I don't even know what the next step would really be given our schedules, yeah. right? Yeah. But even digging more around town would be yeah. would be nice. And that I would say to me would be similar to what we're doing already. Yeah. I'll so, bite a little bit more <laughs> aggressively. Yeah, I mean right now more actively, we, sorry. The last three months you one of you has been out of town or completely busy a whole weekend for every weekend yeah and so and that's been sort of the summer pattern yes you guys will go into a bit of a lull yeah and so maybe talk a bit about what goes into maintaining a band like <laughs> it takes once you have something going it like it's it's really fun and like just like in a relationship you get to a point where it seems like everything is just a grind mm -hmm. for a while mm -hmm. and you can put in a lot of work and get nothing or you can put in no work and get like just huge things come to you right so maybe talk a bit about what like what your thoughts are about getting into something like that like it it, it is a relationship Mm -hmm. with, it really with is. humans yes uh, I'm trying to formulate a good question to give you because right now I feel like I'm I'll just I'm just gonna let you ramble uh, what keeps me going or what, what do you mean what keeps the band going I think is a better question but uh, you're obviously part of the band so mm -hmm. I mean one important thing that we all recognize is that when we are on that stage and the first note goes and we're in it in that moment right you, that level of connectedness the joy of being able to entertain and engage people with something that is for me very deep within to be shared throughout by you know through music and with three other individuals who share that moment with me I think I just think about that performance and what that makes me how that makes me feel you know and we're always striving to get that back in, in the right. next time that we perform yeah. right and even when we go to the recording studio say right we wanted yeah. to capture that moment so that it can be repeated <laughs> right and that, so that, that's a really interesting point because I feel like from, from watching you guys and watching you practice and watching you perform in front of a crowd, trying to record you when there isn't a crowd is a challenge because, again, like you, you guys have obviously talked about, you're doing it to entertain people. And so if there's no people, it feels maybe internally, but not, you maybe don't recognize it, but it feels like you're doing it for people that aren't there. Yeah. And so I've noticed at least when there are the difference between recording you guys either with video or with audio or both when there are people and when there aren't is totally different. Yes. And I find it very interesting because the whole process of making music videos, especially as a small band, is that there isn't going to be a huge crowd. No, or none at all. Really. Well, yeah. yeah. And if, if you're making a music video, at least there'd be crew people there that would be enjoying your music. But if yes. it's just if it's just me, then there's motivation lacking like you you guys did a uh, I guess it was almost a mini set yes. down at Strathcona Park yeah 
in the summer and there were kids running around and yeah. they were watching you and listening. Yeah. And even at that point, you guys were lacking a little bit of enthusiasm. Yeah. But then the cameras turned off and you guys were able to focus and play a few different songs and like lit up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I, I mean, you, we, we may talk about this later. It, it, it's this whole thing about do you focus on the process of something such that the success is the byproduct, mm-hmm. or is it that you focus on the end goal, the success? You know, and then you plan towards that, right? Like, what right. is your goal? Doing the process or getting the reward at the end the success right and i think that's the switch that people have got to make because mm-hmm. you know we're all we're in this world where goal oriented you gotta get something you gotta succeed but really if you focus on the process and you enjoy the process and focus being in the moment then that success will come later much like the example you cited right yeah our goal there that day was to get that video yeah. so we're too focused on the end goal Right. But once that was gone and we were focused on the process of having fun and enjoying the music for yeah. what it was, then the stress went away, right? It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And so that kind of speaks to, I mean, I've, I've been to a number of your shows now and there's, there are very obvious differences when you guys have enjoyed right up until the show, like every part of it has been enjoyable to you versus when things are going wrong or something's happened. Right. And and like the best example I can think of of a really great show is one at Zephod where everything was kind of taken care of for you <laughs> you guys basically just had to plug in walk on stage and go yes. and you could tell that even I mean I obviously I was able to look back on it so I, I know a bit better than most people would but walking into the venue you guys the lights were on you guys were just walking around like it, it was like in a movie you guys were just so excited to be there yes and to get the chance to be on that stage yes uh, and so it, it well and you were asking how that's like your relationship you know it, I mean it's so much hard work but you gotta make sure that you're ugh, just you can't even though it might have been pull, like pulling teeth to get you there mm-hmm. on that stage sometimes you just gotta forget that bad stuff yeah. and remember what makes you really happy about it not to say that you should be in a relationship that is truly truly negative and harmful yeah. and abusive yeah. not, not saying that <laughs> but there are things that you're better off forgetting and you're right. better for it at the end of the day yeah there's something to be said I think for like for a long time in human history people were surviving day to day you're trying not to get eaten by a lion yes now pretty much everyone on earth has delayed like the the process of being successful is separate from the actual success itself and so in in any relationship in any endeavor you take uh, you have to work a lot to get to that success, and it's you're not ha- like it's not happening at the same time. We can talk about romantic relationships, or you can talk about yeah. a band. You're not. You have to go and sell tickets. You have to go put up flyers. Oh you have yes, to make flyers. You oh have yes, to, 
do Network. all the stuff together. Oh, yes. The equipment's all right. Mm-hmm. And then once the work is done, like you, you put in all that work not knowing how the final product's going to come right. out. Right. But when as soon as the work is done, you get there and you're just like, okay, now I can really right. focus and enjoy this. Right, exactly. It's and you have to love the process because, yeah. like you say, it's a little bit of a gamble, right? Because you yeah. don't know what's on the other side. But you know what? If you love that process enough, if you love the person that you are with enough to put in that time and effort, then, you know, you might have a shot at, like, true love or long-term yeah. Yeah. relationship, which is strong and, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's successful. It was definitely hard for, for me growing up. I mean, I, I use the term growing up loosely because I was probably an adult at the time when I started growing up, uh, you have this thing in your head where you're going to be in a relationship and everything's going to be perfect all the time. <laughs> yes. Fairy tale ending. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And so the, the early relationships I had, like this is romantic relationships. I didn't, we didn't argue. We didn't fight. Like nothing went wrong. Yeah. And it just was, it's not satisfying. There's nothing. And so the, the relationship is where I've really had, where I really felt successful and like, it was something worth pursuing were the ones where it wasn't perfect and like you have to put work in the work is part of what makes it so rewarding that's it yeah and so I feel the same way that I feel like it's the same thing with the band like you guys when you put work in and actually get something out of it it's just it's way very more rewarding. rewarding yeah and what is perfection <laughs> may I ask I don't think there is capital P right it's all yeah never nothing's ever it's, perfect it's always improvement mm-hmm. to me at least like I'm I, I've talked about this on a, a couple of occasions but looking back at things that I was doing and putting on the internet last year or even early this year they're just terrible they're so bad Compared to now, mm-hmm. but I had to be bad first to get better. Well, that's it. Yeah, but you have, have to, to be. It. You have to be in that zone where messing up a little bit is okay. Because yeah. how else are you going to learn yeah. and grow, right? <laughs> well, and Damien was talking about uh, on the last episode about how you guys. He's when he listens back, he feels like you guys didn't deserve the stages that you got to perform on, and I like I had to tell him no. You guys like put. You have to put it in context of where you were. You guys were good at the time, and you've gotten better since then. Mm-hmm. Like it's all it, it's all relative. And if you think about it differently, you're yeah, <laughs> yeah. You well, if you put your mind to it, you're always going to get a little bit better every time. Yeah, right? exactly. So, to a certain extent, <laughs> to a certain point. Yeah. So another thing I want to talk about, and this is something that has entered into my life recently as well. Is the concept of crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So, Sons of Pluto has talked about crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And I've thought personally and professionally about crowdfunding, the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe talk a bit about what you think about it, and then we'll talk about it's right for Sons I of Pluto. I think, in principle, it is a wonderful idea. Because it means that the individuals that support your business or your endeavor are able to bypass the middleman and go straight to you, the person that's creating the product, which back in the day for the music industry was not very possible because oftentimes you're buying the record. And so that price gets split up between the people who make the record, that recorded it, the manager, and this and that. Mm -hmm. So by the time that the actual dollar goes back to the band, and then split between the four or five people that are in the band, if it's a band, then 
how much are they going to get and uh, end up with, right? So conceptually speaking, the ability to go straight to the source and reward the individuals that put their heart and soul into those endeavors, that's really cool. Um, and I also know that crowdfunding can happen online, of course. Yeah. So with that in mind, you're connecting with people that you otherwise would not have been able to. Maybe in yeah. Italy or South America or where ha- whatever people will like your music. Yeah. So that's very powerful too. That said, it is the thing that will kind of put you into a position where you become a business, where it is a transaction, where you must deliver upon the product that you promised on time and in the quality that you promised, you know? And so being the group that we are now, I'm not sure how or I've never done something quite like that where you're promising I mean a show is one thing but yeah. to put together a product and then mail it out to say a record to, yeah. to, to, to people yeah. that may be a bit of a challenge but conceptually I think it is very powerful yeah I mean I have participated in one crowdfunding project mm-hmm. through Kickstarter it wasn't it wasn't my project I, I what, do you, what would you call it donated I, I contributed to the project and ended up getting nothing out of it it was not a lot. It was a. Uh, I don't know. It's like, if you remember the, the Square iPod Nano? Do you have yes. a Square iPod Nano? Yes, I do. Uh, it was it was a Bluetooth adapter that it also had a watch band. So you basically snapped it in, and it would yeah. give your iPod Bluetooth and would let it sit on your wrist. And so I contributed right at the start when it was. I think Kickstarter is like 30 days or something oh, or like 90 days. You re- I remember this. You were telling me about this. And then they ended up creating the new one with I, uh, with Bluetooth built in. Yeah. yeah. And so the project ended up getting pushed further and further back. Uh, there were like every project didn't have difficulties. This one kept having difficulties. And then eventually, like this was I think a year ago was the last time anyone had heard from the guy that was starting the project. He just gone. And it was it was like over a hundred thousand dollars that he raised, yeah. because it was a really cool idea. But it just took so long, and by the time it was actually going to be released, it, they'd already come up with a new one that had yeah. Bluetooth in it. Yeah. And so it just speaks to the fact that I think people understand a little bit more. Like people were really upset with this guy. Yeah. But I think with artists, people understand a bit more that what they're doing is helping art happen right it's more of an investment than waiting for an actual finished product yes and so I mean in this case I know that there's a certain amount of I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's something you want to give if someone if someone gives you money towards putting out for instance an EP which is what we've been Sons of Pluto have been talking about in this case you want to give them a disc. You want to like mail them something solid that right. arrives that they can go. That's I it. paid for this and here it is. Yeah, it's in your hand, tangible. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Results. Whereas my thought is, uh, people, if people want to contribute, say five or ten dollars towards an album, if a hundred or a thousand people do that, you can actually put an album together. Yeah. And all of them can listen to it. But at the same time. People now are used to getting their music, like they're getting it for free, and an album that comes with it is kind of extra. Right. So it's it's a weird time to put out music independently. Right at the beginning, you you get 
guys like Radiohead that would put out there in rainbows yeah. and say, give us as much as you want. Yeah. But they already had the money to make it without... Well, it's Radiohead. Yeah. yeah. They had money, and then they any money they got donated was a bonus. Yeah. Whereas, for, somewhat, for a band starting out, learning over the last year or so just how expensive it is to make an EP... Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> even just an EP, not even a full CD, it's... It's unbelievable. Basically, what you what you're trying to do, or what bands in general are trying to do, and what even what I'm trying to do, is not so much crowdfund our individual enterprise. Like you don't want to sit there begging people for money. For no, that's life. no, that's your goal as an artist is to, at least for me, maybe maybe it's not for you, but is to get discovered by somebody who has money and is willing to invest in you. Like I'm doing these projects not necessarily because I think that it's going to sustain me for my life, yeah, but because I want to show that I know what I'm doing enough to get a job doing it. Where right. someone will give me a paycheck to do it, not where I can make enough money to support myself right. doing it. Just some recognition too. Yeah. <laughs> the other on the other hand, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I it, there's also a certain amount to be said that it's important to for for me at least to leave my mark on the world one of the things that I want to do is do something that's going to be remembered positively and when I'm gone people aren't just going to forget about me yeah but in a positive way I don't want to like I have no interest in being a reality star <laughs> I want to I want to have contributed something positive to the well, world well that's it right yeah whatever it may be be it a podcast or a thought or an idea that would help someone in the future right yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So the the project that I've been working on, or the I guess I call it a project, the the crowdfunding campaign that I started, which is zero. There's no uh, forcing. There's no minimum amount. There's no minimum. Uh, like there's no minimum goal that I'm trying to raise. Yeah. It's through a site called Patreon, where they, where people can like I can write that I have goals and I can set up rewards where if people donate a certain amount, they get something. And what I'm finding the hardest is actually asking people, hey, I'm doing this thing. Yeah. Can you like... Well, it's funny you, you, you bring this up because I didn't know if you know this, but I used to work at a telefundraising service for a university. Okay. And one of the hardest things that the callers had to do was that. But I think there are certain techniques that you need to learn if you're able to, if you want to do that successfully, I think, you mm -hmm. know? And one of those things is really, truly believing in your cause. And you're giving them that opportunity to be a part of something that is so near True. and dear to you. Yeah. So you're just giving them an opportunity rather than hassling them or kind of, you know, keep making it hard for them, you know? Right. And I, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it seems like you're feeling the same way I'm feeling about Sons of Pluto. Like, it's almost, for me at least, it's almost an uncertainty, like... Yeah, I believe I like absolutely wholeheartedly believe in what I'm doing, but I internally I'm like I don't know if it's good enough. I don't. <laughs> is it good enough? Tell me. Like I, <laughs> we we do waver. The band does waver between yes, yes, we believe in a product. This is fantastic. I don't understand why we're not, you know, taking over the city. Yeah. But on the bad nights, really, you know, because because <laughs> we we do try to strive that hard. We are very critical of ourselves. So yeah. we have the nights that we're down in the pits. We're like, 
why are we like are we actually like worthy of people's like right. support especially financially for a kickstarter really we're just four people like yeah. really so we haven't really we have both sides i think within the same yeah well I, and, and i think every any person individually can have both sides so obviously yeah. with with multiple people you're gonna find all four of you are swinging between the two extremes yes it just depends where where the average is at any on any given well, day well that's it it's the average like <laughs> right? the long run the oh, the performance over time right yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> such a weird thing I've never I've never really in my life felt like it was super important to me to have lots of money I've wanted to have enough to do the things that I want to do I don't care about having money in my bank account if I'm if my bills are all paid yeah <laughs> a little extra is always nice little cushion <laughs> I mean in, in, in an emergency yes yes but not That's like, I mean. yeah, I don't need an extra $500 in my bank account to feel better with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you wanted to talk about your background in psychology. So why, I'll, I'll let you introduce what you want to talk about. I think what I wanted to introduce here is that um, while for the wonderful listeners out there, I might not be able to clearly articulate in an impromptu fashion some yeah. of these concepts of say developing expertise maintaining motivation that I try to maintain a beginner's mind in the sense that I try to read a lot about um, how does one um, maintain motivation what do the studies show you know what do the studies suggest and mm -hmm. I think I try to incorporate those things I mean certainly they're the ones you know out there I, I thought catalog is one like oh list of five things that successful people do well just five are you kidding me yeah I mean I read those for fun but there's like psychology today that I also read with like studies that are more rigorous but I just want to introduce that concept to say hey you know this is something I really enjoy reading about and yeah. thinking about well, we can just chat about it. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to spell. But that's knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why don't we start with the let's start with those the lists of things that successful people do because people put a lot of stock like as they're reading them they're going yeah this is so great like I I totally see where they're coming from with these these things that all successful people do you know though there's a bunch of biases of and this is, I mean just taking a step back as human mm -hmm. beings we have a number of biases that allow us when we read those things to see ourselves in them whether they are truly accurate or not uh, one bias being the uh, self-confirmation bias so if I said to you Rob Rob you're a nice guy automatically in your head you're gonna have a bias to find all the things that you did in the last little while that makes you a nice guy <laughs> conversely if I said oh Rob lately you've been kind of a dick and you might say oh well I was late to the meeting you know I oh, this yeah. and that and you try to find the things that confirm so it's like a confirmation bias we okay. have yeah. so with lists from that perspective that maybe that might be part of it too interesting yeah so you like you read something and 
the, the things that disagree with that kind of fade to the back of your mind. You want every, all the examples it. you come up with confirm it. Yeah, and you never really want to take a breakdown and kind of analyze and go, well, I was kind of a dick here, but really, I'm, I'm a pretty nice guy too, but I'm more <laughs> nice than dick, so I'm a nice guy, you know, overall. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so you have on here, like, stuff about motivation. Uh, what do you find from, from your... I mean, I reading peruse, and yeah. What are the what's like the maybe one thing you can do that's most important to stay motivated from what you've read about human psychology? I think it's to allow yourself the space to truly experience what it is that you are doing, such that a little bit of a hiccup uh, doesn't stop you. Um, if you truly enjoy, say, playing guitar, then you're going to be able to really experience the music. And so you're not going to mind putting the hours in to make and create that feeling that you're, you're striving for. I don't know if that's a little bit yeah. too vague. No, it's, it's a little vague, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but it's... Because a lot of the time, I think our generation especially, tend to say, oh, well, I want to do this. I want to be a doctor. But that is you're, you're, you're falling in love with the idea yeah. of being yeah. a doctor, but not the actual being of a doctor. Right. It, or well, saying I want to be a doctor versus I'm going to be a doctor, and here's how. Like well, there's that's a it. big gaping void in there. Yeah, it's the idea of something versus the actual feeling and being in of it. Yeah. I want to learn to play the guitar. Well, you have to want to be able to deal with the pain and deal yeah. with that because that's what comes with being a guitarist yeah hmm. so it's the full picture yeah uh, I also it's, it's interesting that you mentioned stress management in here because stress is something that I think I don't know if it's necessarily I mean I haven't been around long enough to know if it's a if it's just a symptom of modern society or if it's kind of always been this way with stress getting in the way of people's lives but I've always found myself really good at handling stress. I, and I have told you this about you, haven't I? I think so. I've never seen you really <laughs> upset. I want this to be on the record. <laughs> I've said that to you more than once. You have, you yes. Have. No, I. Rob I, is a very patient and kind individual. <laughs> hmm, do I have any examples? Of- <laughs> <laughs> there, I've said recently, or I've, I've thought recently to myself that it's really important to not worry about things for longer than it would take to fix them like I'm I'm not perfect by any means um, and so for instance I'm living with my fiance if something is on the ground like I'm not going to be I'm not perfect I'm not going to be pick everything up all the time I'm 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 not I wouldn't say I'm dirty but I'm not like a perfect perfectionist neat whatever obviously I'm not good at talking either <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we're going to get into disputes about things being left on the ground if she if I'm leaving more things than she would on the ground but I don't see any purpose in getting more like that's part of who I am I I might gradually get better at that with time and be more cognizant of what's going on but I'm not I'm never going to pick everything up 100% of the time but like there's no reason to get more mad at me or mad at me for more than two seconds because that's all it's going to take to pick up whatever was on the right. ground. And so that's kind of, that's kind of been my, my philosophy of 
all across the board in dealing with stress. Like don't the the amount of time you need to worry about something is very minimal compared to how much most people worry about things. Right. And you seem to be able to action the principles because you actually just do it rather than this, again, this concept of the, of the idea of it versus actually doing it. Yeah. And you're actually doing it. You're just like, okay, well, if it's going to take me, you know, one minute to pick it up and five minutes to fight about whether or not I'm actually going to pick it up and yeah. make a big fuss about it's okay for it to be on the ground, yeah. you know, and being right. And you're just like, okay, well, I'll take that one minute to just pick it up. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that that's, yeah. It's very important. And it's hard because not everybody, I mean, most people don't think that way or no. haven't ever thought that way. No, because sometimes we feel like we, we, we are so in the, like, you know, in our own heads, right? Yeah. If you're driving and you get cut off, <laughs> you know, some people might chase them down and like try to cut them off again just to teach them a lesson. But yeah. really, in the grand scheme of things... You don't know what's going on. Like, no. it's not going to change the situation. No. And you being yeah. angry, who does that hurt in the end? Really, it's just you because yeah. you're the one that's stressed. Yeah. That person probably didn't know they cut you off. Exactly. There. I. And people, especially with the amount that com- human communication has changed in the last ten years since the internet became an actual thing in everyday life, there's a lot less verbal and like face-to-face communication where body language can be interpreted. Yes. And I think that means that we're actually getting worse at reading it when we are exposed to like an actual face-to-face conversation. Uh, This is something that I've noticed pretty much just in the last 18 months, two years, people saying, do you know what I mean? said this before unofficially but i'll say it right officially now i hate that phrase i hate the phrase it sounds like i know it's not meant condescendingly but everyone says it condescendingly and so really whenever people say it like in a face-to-face conversation they'll go do you know what i mean because they can't read whether or not the person knows what they no, mean no i i'm gonna have to are you sure i yes I'm so if i said it. and i said you know not, so, not you know. Do you know what I mean? Specifically, the phrase. You know do, what I mean? You know. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I'm just trying to think of an instance because I've never really paid attention to that because I think that was just a uh, you know a way to finish their thought. You know. You know what I mean? That that guy really pissed me off. You know what I mean? That it's different because why, why is it, that different? Because I'm trying to think on what occasion would an individual use that phrase. So the, the, the use of it that I'm referring to is the one where somebody says something, they look at you, and then they say it. Not, not oh. as a way to end a sentence. Oh. But they'll look at you and, they'll, and then they'll give you a little sort of half smirk and say, do you know what I mean? Be, like, like it, are you understanding the words yeah, that are coming out of It comes off to me as oh. though they can't, or they, they aren't... They aren't sure if you know 
what they meant. They actually don't know, rather than like a, a way to end their, yeah. you know, story. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I think it's a symptom of the sort of not having as much verbal communication. Have you seen a lot of this happen in your circle, or uh, is it just? I had it happen with a coworker at NSERC. And that was when that like it, sort of like when you have when you play uh, Settlers of Catan with someone who is very competitive about it makes you it, like I hate Settlers of Catan. <laughs> uh, this person at work overused that phrase, and so I just I can't stand the sound of it now. <laughs> and people don't don't even realize when they're using it, but I I don't don't use that phrase ever, and. I again this is just totally conjecture but I know by looking at someone if they know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I look at them and if they're nodding along and if they you you can nod along and not know what someone means if you're just sort of yeah sure I want to continue this conversation but it's not it's not necessarily hard if you if you do it for your, your adult life it's not hard to read what somebody is thinking that's true. If you're actively listening. Yeah, too, exactly. Yeah. So it, would you say it's more of the, the person on the receiving end that is, you know, demonstrating the issue? Or is it the person communicating? Maybe, maybe both. That's, maybe, that's, that's right. Point. Because th- if I don't communicate often face-to-face, I may not be able to read you correctly. Mm-hmm. But on my end, I may not be able to describe my ideas clearly right. to you, right? right. If we're all, all we're doing yeah. is texting and, like, that- <laughs> sending each other pictures, right? Yeah. Like, it's... It's it's funny that it came around to texting because that makes me think of something else that often happens when you are using this nonverbal communication, like texting especially, is that you tend to infer a tone to a, a sentence or a paragraph or whatever, but the tone is usually not what the other person is meaning, it's what you're feeling. So if you're upset or angry and you read something... And it could be interpreted as angry. Oh, you're like, going to interpret yeah. it that way, even if, even if it was a joke. Yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your own mood. Yeah, yeah. more. Like, it depends on your own mood more than what the other person's feeling. Yes, because you can't. It's like texting. Oh, do you want Italian food for dinner? Fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, like fine. Yeah, so good. Or fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. It's so yeah. It's weird. I, I don't know. I don't think that necessarily texting is going to be the end of all humanity. I just think it's going to take some time to adapt to the new modes of communication. Well, that's it, right? You you need to know what the benefits are and what the kind of shortcomings are, you know, and a lot of it becomes, well, if you can't read the tone, then maybe maybe you should leave the important stuff where tone is important, yeah. like important conversations for the phone or face-to-face. Yeah. And text is quicker. Yeah. Touch base. <laughs> yeah. It's... It's funny because, and this is something that I've noticed more in people that didn't necessarily grow up with it. So people, our parents' generation, yeah. they don't necessarily understand which mode of communication is meant for... There, there are certain communication that is meant to be immediately responded to. Yes. And there are certain modes of communication where you want to have more time to answer. And... It's not so much that they're picking wrong necessarily, but it's that they will send you a text message. Like, a, a, they'll ask you a really important question via text message. 
And like, if you haven't spoken to them in a while, yeah, it's it's weird to to do that because for for me at least, a text, like your text messages come come in reverse chronological order. So the newest one is at the top, and then as you go further down, you mm-hmm. get older and older. And so if someone sends me a really important question that I don't want to answer right away, it's gone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it again when I actually have time to answer it or when I've thought about it and know what I want to say. And so I forget. Because I'm, I, like, if someone asks me an important question, I can't answer right away. So where does it disappear to? I don't so, but I mean, it just goes. It disappears down the. Oh, well, did you down just the scroll? List. But I forget about it. Oh wow! I mean, maybe that's me. <laughs> but uh, for for me at least, if I'm sending a message like that, that that I feel like isn't something I need an instant response to, but that I want to hear about, I'll send an email immediately. That's that's my go-to email thing. Because that lets you be more pensive. You have, an, you have an email inbox, whereas text messages don't have an inbox. No, it's and all... And you don't archive. Yeah, yeah, it's just all right there. And, I mean, maybe some people manage their email that way. Yeah. So there's no real distinction between Right. Them. But for me, I wouldn't want to get a question that needs some thought via text message because I would, I would forget about it. Right. It would just be gone. Whereas if I got an email... I'd have some time to res- to reflect. I would see it every time I open my email. It'd be right there. It's just very different, and it's again, it's just gonna take some time to adapt and f- for everybody to kind of get on the same page with all the different modes of communication. That right. Very yeah. Strange. It is. It it's is a very weird strange. World we live in. But you know, at the same time, how much power is behind that, right? The ability to send that message to someone in oh, yeah, say, a different amazing. city, and yeah. you know, getting calls from all over the world, and webcamming and stuff. The yeah. the power behind that, and connecting us to different people very quickly and genuinely too, yeah. in an unfiltered sort of, you know, ground level sort of a way, yeah. is something that is very, very. Uh, very cool I think video chat itself is really cool and there there are lots of technological platforms now that are pushing instant communication with people you want to talk to well that's it yeah they're pushing it so hard getting to the point where you like if you're on any computer you're two buttons away from seeing someone's face yes and talking to them yeah is that cool (laughs) yeah it's really cool I mean the idea that 20 years ago that 20 years later, like, you know, today, that in your hand, you have the ability to connect with any, well, I mean, given data limitations and things like this, but just on principle, you can take this thing that is in your hand, the palm of your hand, that's super thin to talk to anybody (laughs) else in the world that also has this device or similar. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. That's the main reason, if not the only reason, that I think that what cable companies and internet providers and mobile providers are doing so wrong. Like they they have the opposite thought. They're trying. You're talking about data limitations. Like that's that's the biggest thing that gets in the way these days. Yes. People are like, oh well, I, I would have a video call with you, but 
I'm on a cell phone, so yeah, like I'm out of the house, so yeah. I can't. It's gonna cost me money. Well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I've had an unlimited unlimited data plan for I think five years now, yeah. and like having that while this technology has gone has gone mainstream, yeah, is just so amazing because I get the opportunity to to do this stuff as it comes out. Yeah. When I first got when I got the first my first iPhone, there was no such thing as video calling. Yeah, uh, on cellular networks. Yeah, and now. I don't even do it as much now, but the possibility is good, and you can actually get have an HD video conversation. Well, that's it. That's crazy. From a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that capacity is very amazing. But at the same time, like you're saying, we must be aware, fully aware of the kind of impacts that we're having, yeah. you know, on individuals. But that said, I think there's some level of either genetic or natural sort of. Uh, a selection that makes us want to connect face to face there are some things that are better face to face oh yeah for you know? sure so I mean I don't I don't see that t- taking over completely but certainly it's yeah. affected the way we even our generation how we communicate while we're having dinner or having a a, 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 a pint to drink you know yeah. we're always checking our phones and stuff do yeah. you really have a true conversation <laughs> yeah well we don't know well it's it, it is interesting that for the most part what I've noticed now that we're all used to having cell phones, you don't really need the uh, like the rule that people would have where you like stack your cell phones in yeah. the middle of the table and if someone grabs their phone, they have to pay for all the yeah. mails. Like you don't need that rule anymore because people are sort of used to it. And you only see people, at least in my experience with my with the group of friends that we hang out with, you only see that happen if if someone's expecting someone else to join them and like, yeah. trying to coordinate that. Or at the end of a meal when everyone's sort of getting bored and ready to in pack In between up. conversations, yeah. right? In between, like if there's a lull, you yeah. want to check your phone. But it's not like... I, and I know teenagers are bad for this because I've seen them like, yeah. doing it constantly. Yeah. But we mostly just do it intermittently, like when yeah. when it's socially... When there's a gap Acceptable, in conversation yes. or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, our friends are pretty good with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure there's much more I want to talk about. Was there anything you you have you have here you want to talk about some famous quotes that continue to inspire you? I think that I think because you were t- kind of talking about um, inspiration and motivation and success and things, I just thought I'd mention that you know I find inspiration in those things too in quotes and famous quotes. As yeah. a young kid, I remember reading them and being really motivated by them. And I still collect them in my head and always try to use them when I can <laughs> what, what are a few of a few of your top quotes I think one I have a whole bunch on my Facebook actually that are still <laughs> there something about like the, the subjectivity of reality there's some lot of this funny different concepts from different places but one 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 would be the uh, subjectivity of uh, reality kind of like um, you know what's east and what's west in in this world really it's just these things that we've created and we've named it for our own sort of purposes right yeah does the 401 run east or does it run west <laughs> it depends which way you're going yeah. right so it's those ideas that kind of open your mind to sort of the uh another way to perceive things yeah i you know there's definitely a to be said for looking at things in a different way I've been sitting here for the last two months or so trying to make my website better and easier yeah. to read and easier to find everything that's going on 
And every time I kind of get stuck, I sit there and I, like I almost want to leave wherever I am and go to a different place to try to see if I can figure something out. Yeah. And it doesn't even it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter how much time I put in. It doesn't matter where it is. Just like having things change make you makes you see things in a different way. Yeah. And it can can open stuff up. So we have yeah and we have some of the quotes here. Did you ever read this? Maybe you can tell I've, I've tell seen us it. tell us what your your favorite <laughs> one is from this. So well, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Okay Go. So this too shall pass is a nice one. Uh, there's a there's actually quite a few good quotes here. I I don't recognize some of these names, but worry is a misuse of imagination is a really great one. I absolutely hate worrying. <laughs> I, I only worry for like five minutes at a time yeah. and then like no I'm not not doing that anymore I've, I've gone through all the possible is there anything from Superman here <laughs> <laughs> what about you do you have a quote off the top of your head that's been kind of you know you've been chewing on a little bit or uh, what I usually end up doing is paraphrasing quotes so like I remember the essence of the quote um, and I've mentioned this on several occasions, I think I mentioned in the first podcast that I did with Keegan and Amon, uh, is the one from Matthew McConaughey's Oscar speech. Though I don't know if you if you no. watched it, but he was talking about how he's always trying to become the person he sees himself being in ten years. Wow! Yes. And so he's always chasing that person. And I mean, yeah. he when he started out acting, he wasn't really taken seriously at all. But now he's winning Oscars. Yeah. And like he's. He's obviously bettered himself, so that tactic seems to be working yeah. pretty well. <laughs> um, the one thing, like, I have a few, actually there's a lot, but it, when I watch TV or movies, I I tend to think about the people behind what's going on. So, like, not necessarily when people are acting, but when they're actually themselves and they're just on TV or they happen to be, maybe it's more more prone to documentaries, uh, and that's another reason I love podcasts so much is that you get to hear just people talking and people expressing their real thoughts. And so I think my favorite quote is one from Adam Savage of Mythbusters. Uh, when things aren't going the way you necessarily want them to, uh, what he says is I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> just it doesn't necessarily apply. I don't think it applies to all situations, yeah. but being able to take what someone calls reality because everyone has a different perception of of what reality yeah. is mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to listen to what someone else's reality is you can you can think your own thoughts and they can be just as real to you as someone else's yes. will be to them totally agree uh, i believe what he was talking about was expectations they were they were doing a, they had a some kind of grappling hook or something tied to a light pole yeah and they were driving away from the pole yeah. with it attached to the bumper to see yeah. if the bumper would come off yeah uh, or if the pole would come out of the ground yeah and they basically it wasn't happening the way they wanted it to yeah. and he, they were kept changing things and he was trying to uh, get reality to work differently yeah. than he was expecting <laughs> that's a great show yeah I, I actually on that note I heard that the three Carrie Byron and Tor or Carrie Byron, Tori Bellici, and uh, I can't remember his name. 
Okay, Grant and Mahara. Yeah. They're leaving the show. Oh no. They're. I mean, they're going on to do different oh, things. Okay. But they're they're sort of rebranding it to be just the two. Yeah. Um, two main hosts. And I, on one hand, that's good because it's a, it's an old show, and that's that's what it originally was. It was just the two of them, and they've actually done projects together just on their own. They did yeah. one. They did an episode. Uh, I don't even know if it was an episode of a recurring show, but they did an episode of a uh, thing on uh, Discovery called Dangerous Toys. Right. But they basically they had kids come up with an experiment for them to do, and they ended up building like giant forts and like out of mattresses and couches and uh, I think it was Adam that was on defense and then Jamie would build like attack robots yeah. that would I don't know did you see it? no no, no. but uh, like they they have so much experience making things yes and it's so like uh, it's just so cool they they can attack a problem any problem in the world and they can just any solve which it. way yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite amazing yeah so I'm, I'm looking I'm sad that they're gone because I really liked those three. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it next. Yeah, it's been a long running show, so yeah. we'll see what's next. <laughs> they started out saying I think they had twenty five years. The first season I think they said together they have twenty five years of special effects experience. Yes. And by the end, they only were up to thirty years of special effects experience, but yeah. they each had like 12 extra years of experience. <laughs> yeah. They never updated that number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was weird. <laughs> I was expecting, now they have 50 years of combined right, experience. Right, because they yeah, add the season into it too. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say? I think I've, I've, I've got out, at least for, for a first pass. Yeah. I don't want to okay. take up too much of your time. I know you're going to uh, BC tomorrow, so... <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's it. I mean, call to action, right? A lot of these podcasts you'll discover, everyone's different story, you know, be inspired. We're not here for a long time, you know, and get reminders of that every so often. And I think it's a good call to action to, you know, do the things that you like and go enjoy life. Yeah, definitely. Don't worry too much, right? <laughs> that's the other half I, of it. No. <laughs> Waste of imagination. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find what you're doing online? Um, you mean Sons of Pluto? Well, you can Anything. find us at www.sonsofpluto.com. We're also on Twitter, twitter.com slash Sons of Pluto. I'm on Facebook. If you want to contact me, you can email the website for the yeah. show. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Good enough. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was episode three of Fake It with me, Rob Attrell. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brian Lee. You can find this as well as future episodes at fakeitshow.robitrell.com, which is its permanent home for the time being. If you're interested in hearing more, you can let me know by leaving a comment either here or at Robitrell on Twitter. And if you're really ambitious, you can tweet at fakeitshow as well. You can find this show on Stitcher Radio uh, as well as the website. And as of this week, you can also find Fake It on iTunes. Thanks again for your attention, and we'll see you next time.